Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. From coast to coast, Americans hit the streets over the weekend to protest the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Democrats are seizing on the ruling, hoping anger will fuel support at the ballot box in November. And while Republican leaders are cheering the decision, behind the scenes, former President Trump may be voicing some concern. What he's saying about the potential impact to the GOP. Also this morning, we're live from Austria as President Biden meets with world leaders at the G7 summit where the focus is on the global economy and the ongoing war in Ukraine. It comes as Russia launched an apparent show of force yesterday, firing a series of long-range missiles toward the Ukrainian capital of Kyiv. We'll have the very latest on the ongoing fight and where global leaders stand on the issue. Good morning and welcome to Way Too Early on this Monday, June 27th. I'm Jonathan Lemire, coming to you live from the beautiful Bavarian Alps. We'll get back to the G7 in a moment, but we start with the Supreme Court's landmark decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, ending the constitutional right to an abortion after nearly 50 years. The decision came after the court's conservative majority ruled 6-3 to to uphold a Mississippi law that bans abortions after 15 weeks. But the justices then ruled five to four on overturning Roe, with Chief Justice John Roberts making it clear that his vote was only to side with the Mississippi law. The majority opinion on striking down Roe was written by Justice Samuel Alito. He writes this, the Constitution makes no reference to abortion and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision. He goes on to write that the procedure is not, quote, deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition. 13 states have trigger laws that ban abortions immediately or within 30 days of the ruling. Several more states are expected to follow with legislation to make the procedure illegal. Friday's decision spurred mass protests in cities across the country over the weekend. Within minutes of the ruling, demonstrators from both sides of the issue began gathering outside the Supreme Court in Washington. While opponents cried over implications from the decision, some supporters shed tears of joy over a ruling that they said was nearly 50 years in the making. In Arizona, meanwhile, an estimated 8,000 abortion rights protesters gathered outside the state capitol on Saturday. The demonstration ended when police fired tear gas into the mostly peaceful crowd after some people began banging on the windows of the state senate building while lawmakers were inside. In New York, protests against the decision coincided with the city's annual Pride March yesterday. Demonstrators ran for their lives when police say fireworks were mistaken for gunshots in Washington Square Park in Greenwich Village. Those fears were amplified by another Supreme Court ruling on Thursday, which threw out a century-old gun law restricting concealed carry outside the home. House and Senate Republicans are celebrating the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. In a statement, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said the ruling was courageous and correct and called it a historic day for the Constitution 
and for the most vulnerable in our society. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, for his part, released a joint statement with Republican Whip Steve Scalise and GOP Conference Chair Elise Stefanik that reads in part this. We applaud this historic ruling, which will save countless innocent lives. Every unborn child is precious, extraordinary, and worthy of protection. Here's how some of the other members of the party reacted. This is uh, a day that uh, those in the pro-life movement has worked for for over 40 years. I didn't think it would come uh, this quickly. And uh, the uh, decision of the Supreme Court uh, was really something that uh, will save lives. So if a 13-year-old, though, in Arkansas is raped by a relative, that 13-year-old cannot get an abortion in Arkansas. Are you comfortable with that? Uh, I'm not. I would prefer a different outcome than that. Uh, but that's not the debate today in Arkansas. What I would say is this was wonderful news in the defense of life. Every life is precious. Take the sensational, uh, pundit commentary out of it and look at the fact that what the Supreme Court did was fix a wrong decision that was made many years ago and now give the power back to the states. What they said is that the Constitution does not guarantee a right to an abortion. This is a huge victory uh, for the pro-life movement. Uh, President Trump deserves a lion's share of credit here. He fought like a tiger to put three constitutional conservative judges on the court. He stood behind, behind Kavanaugh. And all of us who've been working for the last 50 years to get this right, to have a constitutional reset, Friday was a glorious day. Former President Trump took a victory lap after the Supreme Court ruling came out claiming credit for the decision to overturn Roe. In a statement he released on Friday, he called it the biggest win for life in a generation and only made possible because I delivered everything as promised. But behind the scenes, the former president is reportedly concerned about the impact the decision may have. According to the New York Times, Trump has privately told friends and advisors the ruling will be, quote, banned for Republicans. The Times notes that when a draft copy of the decision was leaked to Politico in May, Trump began telling friends and advisors that it would anger suburban women, a group who helped tilt the 2020 race to President Biden and could lead to a backlash against Republicans in the November midterm elections. Democrats, of course, widely condemned the decision. We heard from congressional leaders all weekend long and from President Biden at the White House on Friday, who vowed to use whatever federal protections he could to protect the women's right to choose. Turning overseas now, the war in Ukraine and the struggling global economy are the focus of talks at the G7 summit in Germany. President Biden traveled over the weekend to attend the three-day conference. The world's most prosperous democracies were in attendance, including Canada, the United Kingdom, France, Italy, Germany, and Japan. Leaders immediately got to work yesterday, announcing a ban on imports of gold from Russia. That's the country's second largest export after oil. Before the end of the summit, the leaders are also expected to discuss a possible cap on the price countries would pay for Russian oil. President Biden pressed German Chancellor Scholz on the country's contributions to Ukraine in a one-on-one -on -one meeting. Germany has not banned Russian energy and has only recently begun sending heavy weaponry to Ukraine. The president is expected to travel to Spain tomorrow to attend a meeting of NATO leaders in Madrid. Joining us now here in Austria, White House correspondent for Bloomberg News, Jordan Fabian. Jordan, thanks for being here. Not a bad backdrop indeed. Uh, obviously, uh, this yesterday, the world leaders met, began their discussions. There was talk of inflation. There's talk of a global infrastructure initiative that they're trying to roll out. But front of mind, of course, is 
the war in Ukraine. And there's some news this morning about leaders trying to pursue that oil cap on Russian imports. That's right. Russian oil is really the lifeblood of their war effort in Ukraine. So leaders here are really keen to figure out a way to limit their oil revenues. Now, what they're going to do this morning, what senior, senior Biden administration officials have told us, is to begin talking about a price cap. So there's not going to be an agreement on a price cap at the summit, but they're going to begin the work on how to do that. And it's very complicated because it could involve reopening European Union sanctions and other really complicated legal matters that could take weeks or months to resolve. So while the leaders want to do this, it appears uh, Russia could be reaping the benefits of this oil revenue for much longer, which could help extend their war effort in Ukraine. And of course, they're still making money from oil they're selling to India and China and countries like that. It was just about a year ago, Jordan, that President Biden had a one-on-one summit with President Putin of Russia. It was in Geneva. Uh, things have changed in the last 12 months. Putin now world pariah after starting this war in Ukraine. And the G7 leaders are right now, as we speak, hearing from Ukrainian President Zelensky, who's addressing them virtually from Kiev. What's the sense of what he's going to say? And, and what do we expect these leaders will pledge to Ukraine before the week is out? Well, that meeting is ongoing right now. But if the past is any indication, he's made these impassioned pleas for more weapons, more sanctions, pressure on Russia during these meetings. And it's been effective in the past. We saw in March, we were there together in, in uh, Brussels when uh, the world really came together behind Zelensky and they announced these historic sanctions and, and weapons packages for Ukraine. Now, we heard this morning that the U.S. is going to send anti-aircraft missiles and other key weapons that the Ukrainians have wanted for a long time. But the question of whether they can sustain these these shipments in the long run is the question that's hanging over the summit. Yeah, and certainly the immediacy of the war is felt here, just about a thousand miles from Kiev. Jordan Fabian of Bloomberg, thank you, my friend, uh, for being with us this morning. Still ahead here on Way Too Early, we have much more on the historic decision by the Supreme Court, including the legal fights that could come at the state level. And we'll have new reporting that raises doubts about the future of Russia's combat capabilities. Plus, we'll show you the moment from the G7 yesterday when world leaders mocked Russian President Vladimir Putin. Those stories and a check on the weather when we come right back. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. As the G7 summit summit kicked off yesterday, just over those mountains in Germany, Russian forces hit the Ukrainian capital of Kyiv, shattering weeks of relative calm in the city. Officials say several Russian missiles hit two residential buildings and a kindergarten playground, killing one person and injuring four others. 
A seven-year-old girl and her mother, who is a Russian citizen, were also injured in the attack. An advisor to the Ukrainian Interior Ministry said Russian President Vladimir Putin was wounding his own citizens. President Biden condemned the attack here, calling it an example of Russia's, quote, barbarism. But the Russian military will soon exhaust its combat capabilities and be forced to bring its offensive in eastern Ukraine to a grinding halt. That's according to a new Western intelligence assessment, which was obtained by The Washington Post. The paper reports that a senior official says, quote, there will come a time when the tiny advances Russia is making become unsustainable in light of the costs they will need to the cost they will need to pay a significant pause to regenerate capability. The official also says that Russia's creeping advances are dependent almost entirely on the expenditure of vast quantities of ammunition, notably artillery shells, which are being fired at a rate that almost no military in the world would be able to sustain for long. According to another senior official, the minor territorial gains currently being notched by Russia are less significant than the overall power balance of power on the battlefield. This is a slightly different assessment than we've heard from the front in recent days, which really focused on the advances Russia was making. Certainly, that's the message we're hearing from President Zelensky today. Meanwhile, back in Washington, before he left for Europe, the president signed the most sweeping gun violence law in decades. On Saturday, President Biden said the bill is proof that Democrats and Republicans can find common ground on important issues, which comes amid a recent string of mass shootings. From Columbine to Sandy Hook to Charleston, Orlando, Las Vegas, Parkland, El Paso, Atlanta, Buffalo, Uvalde. And for the shootings that happen every day in the streets that are mass shootings that we don't even hear about. The number of people killed every day in the streets. Their message to us was do something. How many times have you heard that? Just do something. For God's sake, just do something. Well, today we did. Well, this bill doesn't do everything I want. It does include actions I've long called for that are going to save lives. Biden signed the bill just before leaving for Europe. Fourteen House Republican lawmakers joined Democrats in voting in support of the new law. With midterms around the corner, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell admitted to reporters on Thursday that he hopes passing the bill will help Republicans regain support in suburban areas in future elections. Still ahead in sports, the Stanley Cup is going back to Colorado for the first time in over 20 years. But the trophy heads to Denver with a new dent in it. We'll show you what happened. Plus, Major League Baseball had its first huge brawl of the season. Way Too Early is coming right back. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. 
No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Ten seconds to go. The car fittingly battling for the puck in the corner. Five seconds to go. The Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning's reign atop the NHL, defeating the two-time champions 2-1 to one in Game 6 last night to claim the Stanley Cup for the first time in more than two decades. This is a terrific Colorado team, and they capped a 119-point regular season with a Stanley Cup run that featured a pair of sweeps for the third title in franchise history. And look, to give all respect to the Lightning, they won two in a row, going for a three-peat. Worthy champions put on a spirited title defense. But we should note, it did not take long for the Avalanche to make an impact on the trophy last night, denting Lord Stanley Cup during the ice. There you saw it. Denting the cup during their celebration on the ice. That's okay. That cup has seen far worse than that in summers past. Meanwhile, the University of Mississippi is celebrating a College World Series championship. Ole Miss going from one of the last teams in NCAA's baseball tournament to the last team standing yesterday. The Rebels rallied to a 4-2 victory to complete a sweep of Oklahoma and claim the team's first ever national title. Congrats to them. Turning now to Major League Baseball, and against my better judgment, we begin at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. Giancarlo Stanton ended the Astros' bid for a second straight no-hitter with a home run out to Monument Park in the seventh. Let's not skip over the fact, though, that the Yankees were no-hit the day before. Then we had D.J. LeMay, who's slugging this two-run homer to tie the game in the eighth. And then, you know who, Aaron Judge put Houston away in extra innings. The 0-1. I mean, come on. The three-run homer in the 10th was Judge's second walk-off hit of the series. Yankees beat the Astros 6-3. Meanwhile, in Cleveland, the surging Red Sox did pick up some ground in the division over the weekend, wrapping up a three-game sweep of a good Guardians team. They capped that off with an 8-3 victory yesterday. Boston's now second place in the AL East. They're, look, they're still 11 games back, folks. But... Uh, they are now the top wild card in the AL, and they headed to Toronto this week for a showdown against the Blue Jays and have a lot of games coming up against the Rays and Yankees. Out to Anaheim. Six players and both managers were ejected from yesterday's game between the Mariners and the Angels after a brawl in the second innings. Both benches cleared when Jesse Winker of the Mariners charged the opposing dugout after being hit in the first pitch of the second inning by Angels opener Andrew Wants, who had also thrown a pitch behind the head of Julio Rodriguez back in the first inning. The scoreless game was delayed almost 20 minutes as the melee stopped and started twice before it ended, and then Seattle lost three of the first four hitters in its lineup and three Angels pitchers. They were all ejected. L.A. goes on to win 2-1. to one. A one-of-a-kind LeBron James trading card has sold at auction for $2.4 million. The flawless triple logo man fetched the highest sale price for a card that was pulled and sold within the same year. It features the NBA logo patch from three of LeBron's jerseys, one each from his time with the Cleveland Cavaliers, Miami Heat, 
and Los Angeles Lakers. But that's not a record for a card featuring LeBron. One from his rookie season sold for, wait for it, $5.2 million last year. The largest price ever for a trading card remains, the $6.6 million spent for a Honus Wagner card that was also last year. It's too bad the German Soccer League is out for the season. Otherwise, I'd have provided a first-hand report from Bayern Munich camp just up the road. But now it's time for weather, and let's go to meteorologist Michelle Grossman for the forecast. Michelle, how's it looking there back in the States? Well, it's looking a little wet, not quite as beautiful as your backdrop there. Good to see you. We are looking unsettled weather in the east, so you need the umbrella as you head out uh, today. We're looking at a cold front that is extending from the northeast all the way down to the south-central states, and we're going to see embedded thunderstorms that could bring some gusty winds and heavy downpours. We're even seeing that this morning where you see those darker colors, the yellows, the reds, the oranges. That's where we're seeing those heavier downpours. That could lead to some flash flooding, so we'll be watching that throughout this Monday. And we are also looking at the chance for up to two to three inches of rain. Some of this could come down pretty fast at two inches per hour, and that's going to be the rainfall rates as we go throughout this Monday. And we're looking at uh, generally two to three inches. We're looking at enhanced rainfall along the Gulf Coast states. That's due to a cluster of showers and storms in the Gulf that could take on some tropical characteristics and sort of enhance that rainfall. Also tracking the tropics further out in the Atlantic, we are looking at the potential for our next tropical depression. If it does become a tropical storm, it would be named Bonnie. Back to you, Jonathan. And I can provide the European summit forecast here in the Bavarian Alps, 70 sunny. Later, NATO and Madrid, 95 hot. Michelle Grossman, thank you so very much. Still ahead, we will indeed return to international diplomacy and much more from the G7 summit taking place in Germany right now, including the moment when two world leaders appeared to mock Russian President Vladimir Putin. We'll show you what was said when we come right back. Welcome back to Way Too Early. It's coming up on 5.30 a.m. on the East Coast, 2.30 out West, and just before 11.30 a.m. here in Austria. Here the show is entitled Appropriately Timed with Jonathan Lemire. (laughs) President Biden and G7 leaders are launching a new initiative to help finance global infrastructure projects. The new effort aims to raise $200 billion in government and private sector funding over the next five years to counter a similar effort by China. For nearly a decade, Beijing has been investing heavily in building up the infrastructure of developing countries in Africa and Asia, with Chinese banks financing everything from new seaports to 5G wireless networks through its Belt and Road Initiative. Foreign policy analysts have said that that has created a financial dependence between those countries and China that could be strategically important for Beijing economically and militarily. The U.S. is aiming to make its financing program more attractive to countries by arguing that it will more directly improve their economies without putting them in debt, said a senior administration official, combined with other members of the G7, could total about $600 billion. As world leaders sat down for a working lunch at the G7 summit yesterday, some of them were caught on hot mics mocking Russian President Vladimir Putin's macho image. The British and Canadian prime ministers both joked about stripping shirtless like Putin as they were meeting in the summer heat. Take a listen. Jackie 
In the past, Putin has been pictured shirtless several times in photos released by the Russian state media, including one where he's riding a horse in army fatigues. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson particularly seemed to enjoy himself yesterday. Joining us now, White House Bureau Chief for The Washington Post, my friend Ashley Parker. Ashley, I won't ask you to comment on Boris Johnson's pecs, uh, which was uh, in we heard in that play in this clip we just played there. But give us a little sense of that moment. And it showed a light moment, yes, but a sense of unity, right, for these Western leaders, the G7 leaders standing up to Putin. Yeah, it was. It was, first of all, sort of a leaders, they're just like us moment, right? <laughs> Nobody really likes Putin. He's the bully, so they're mocking him. Um, Boris Johnson is suggesting everyone take off all their clothes. Uh, you know, Ursula von der Leyen is trying to get things back on track by talking about how much he likes horseback riding. Um, but you can tell they sort of all have a goal, which is they're here. They don't like what Russia's doing. Uh, they're focusing on that seriously in the meeting. Um, and it's kind of pervading everything, including the jokes they choose to make. And we should assure viewers that none of the leaders uh, took off their clothes, thankfully. They did Although, take off their jackets. Though. At one moment, though, <laughs> they were without jackets, raising some eyebrows and no ties either. Uh, obviously, Ukraine is the focus here and as well as, as we just mentioned, this infrastructure initiative. But for President Biden, the trip is clearly being shadowed by what's happened back at home. And in particular, the Roe v. Wade decision by the Supreme Court. Uh, give us a sense as to the sort of the struggle the president is facing here, trying to change the conversation. And he's also received some questions or even criticism, or the U.S. has received criticism from his fellow world leaders. Well, that's exactly right. On every single foreign trip, President Biden's message is America is back. The Roe v. Wade news comes on Friday. It was earlier than the White House expected, earlier really than anyone expected. And all of these leaders who he's meeting with here released statements that were pretty critical of what the U.S. decided. So when he came in the views of these world leaders, at least, it was this idea that on this issue, America is backwards. And that's not the only domestic issue that sort of gives that impression when you look at these hallmarks of Western democracy. There's women's reproductive rights getting stripped away. There's the United States on gun control not going nearly as far as their European counterparts. There's, of course, the January 6th hearings watching the unraveling uh, of a Western democracy. And so even if they don't explicitly talk about this, uh, there there is a sense that Biden has to grapple with losing a bit of that moral superiority that the U.S. is so accustomed to carrying abroad. And give us a sense as the president addresses audiences back home this week while he's overseas and then when he returns to Washington, what is he telling Americans, Democrats, but others, too, about what his administration will do to try to safeguard abortion rights. Well, this is the real challenge for him, which is that there's not actually that much he single-handedly can do. He's kind of released two steps um, that the FDA can make sure that women can order uh, an abortion pill uh, through the mail, that he will try to make sure that, you know, in the year 2022, women can travel across state lines mm. unencumbered. Um, but there's not that much he can do. And so his message has sort of been, this is on the ballot. But if you look at the early reaction, Democrats are hopeful this will galvanize their party to vote in the midterms. But there's a lot of Democrats who sort of understand Biden, can't wave a magic wand, but they want to see the fight. They want to see the anger and the fury. And they haven't really felt that sufficiently from him yet. Yeah, and a sense of powerlessness from yeah. this administration, which has Democrats controlling both houses of Congress, but also nothing done on voting rights, parts of his agenda exactly. falling apart leads to the same idea. The Washington Post, Ashley Parker, thank you so much for being with us today. Still ahead in business news, Wall Street looks like it's building on last week's momentum. 
We're live with CNBC for more insight at what will be driving the trading day next on Way Too Early. Turning back to one of our top stories this morning, the Supreme Court has stripped away women's constitutional protections for abortions. Now, contentious legal battles are likely to erupt as lawmakers grapple with the new landscape of abortion access. On Friday, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland said the Justice Department strongly disagrees with the court's ruling. In a statement, Garland said in part, quote, This decision deals a devastating blow to reproductive freedom in the United States. It will have an immediate and irreversible impact on the lives of people across the country, and it will be greatly disproportionate in its effect with the greatest burdens felt by people of color and those of limited financial means. Garland also said that states can't ban FDA-approved abortion bills on safety grounds, speaking specifically about one FDA-approved drug. With so-called trigger laws kicking in, more than 80 prosecutors from at least 29 states including Republican-led states, signed a joint statement saying they would refuse to prosecute those seeking, assisting, or providing abortions. Joining us now to talk about this, we're lucky to have her, former U.S. attorney, now at MSNBC legal analyst, our friend Joyce Vance. Joyce, good morning. We appreciate you being here today. The White House and the Justice Department have both spoken out fiercely against the Supreme Court's ruling What is the likelihood to restoring any sort of federal guarantees to the rights to an abortion? There is no longer a federal guarantee. And unfortunately, while the White House and the Justice Department can take steps around the edges to protect rights, for instance, making sure that women are able to travel from states that have banned abortion to states where it's still available, But that's about the extent of it. They can't restore a federal guarantee. The Supreme Court has spoken. They've said that the Constitution does not guarantee a privacy right to abortion. And they've left the decision about whether and under what circumstances abortion is available up to each state legislature. So the high court's ruling is likely to lead to abortion bans in roughly half the states due to existing trigger laws, other potential likely at legislation. Tell us what we should expect next in those places. So that's the perfect question to ask, because the problem is we don't have a consistent expectation. We will end up with a patchwork quilt of different laws in different states. In some states, there will be a race to the bottom. Some states already have done this. Others will undoubtedly try to follow banning abortion in all cases, including rape, incest and the life of the mother. In other states, we'll have perhaps a provision like we have here in my state in Alabama that permits abortion in some cases where the life of the mother is at risk. But then we'll have to figure out, well, who makes that decision? Can the woman's doctor make it on her own? Will that doctor be concerned about making the call because it might submit them to criminal liability for the felony crime that abortion now is in many states? Uncertainty means that it will be difficult for women to access much needed medical care. That is likely more a feature than a bug of of this new world that we live in. But it's not good news for people who can get pregnant in this country. And there are, of course, some states that have gone the other way. Governors have said they would have legislation to protect abortion rights uh, for their residents. Um, Obviously, the decision on Roe v. Wade outraged people on its own merits, but others were also additionally worried 
what Justice Clarence Thomas wrote, because he urged the court to overturn other rulings that protect things like same-sex marriage, same-sex intimacy, even the use of contraceptives. What was your perception of what he wrote? How do you see this playing out? Is there a chance this could actually happen? If there's a lesson from, from Dobbs, this ruling that the Supreme Court handed down Friday, it's that we should expect that longstanding law is now vulnerable. Roe versus Wade had been on the, the books for 50 years, longer than these other rights that we're talking about in some cases. So, so here's how it works. The majority opinion says we are only talking about abortion. This case has no value beyond that one issue. And then Justice Thomas, who concurs, writes an opinion that explicitly says, not so fast, majority. There are other rights from this same substantive due process branch of the rights tree, and none of those rights are rights that the Constitution should protect. So for right now, it's only Justice Thomas writing for himself. But here's the impact. And you're correct, Jonathan. He's identified rights like marriage equality and contraception. One suspects we'll now see lawsuits brought in different states challenging those rights, just like abortion was subjected to challenge for almost 50 years before the Supreme Court finally reversed. And we'll see this persistent effort by conservative activists to do that same sort of damage in these other areas. And Joyce, last one briefly. Much has been made, rightly, about how some Supreme Court justices during their confirmation hearings had said they believe Roe was settled law and they didn't seem interested in challenging it. That, of course, turned out not to be true. What is the impact for future Supreme Court justice hearings? Does this process need to be changed or thrown out? Um, it's a big question for a short answer, but it's clear that that, you know, the whole goal here is for the Senate to offer advice and consent to the president on whether a nominee should be confirmed. It seems like we should be able to expect a baseline of truth from judicial nominees when they testify. By the same token, the justices and, and other judges legitimately do not want to discuss their views on cases that they could be called upon down the road to decide. So it's time to recalibrate, to rethink what that advice and consent process means and what a president needs from the Senate before it votes. But it's clear that the process has not served the court itself well because we see damaged integrity, damaged confidence in the court. And since most of our most difficult decisions, the ones that people can't decide upon their own or can't resolve in legislatures, end up in the court, it's in important that as a, as a democratic institution, that body remains strong. That's not where it is today. That is certainly true. And Joyce Vance, we are deeply appreciative of you being with us this morning. Still ahead on Way Too Early, we're going to go to CNBC for the latest in business news and a check on the markets. We'll be right back. It's now time for business. And for that, let's bring in CNBC's Juliana Talabon, live from London, much closer than she usually is. Juliana, great to see you. Uh, U.S. stock futures rose slightly overnight following a major rebound last week from this year's steep declines. Uh, what are you looking at today? 
Well, John, firstly, it's wonderful to have you this side of the pond. As for U.S. markets, it looks as though we're going to see another positive start to today's session. So building on last week's gains, it was an incredible end to the week. The S&P 500 gained more than 3 percent on Friday, its biggest one-day percentage rise since May 2020. But let's put this into perspective. U.S. stocks are on pace for their worst first half of the year in more than 50 years. Year to date, the S&P 500 down about 18 percent. This week, investors are going to be closely watching that G7 summit, of course, and the NATO summit coming up, as well as um, keeping an eye on some key economic data that's due to come out. And we've got a few earnings to look out for, namely Nike, H&M, and General Mills. Those are going to be some key ones to get a sense of how the U.S. consumer is feeling. Yeah, certainly global inflation, a significant topic of discussion here at the G7. But pivoting back to our other big story today, corporate giants from a range of industries are reacting to the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Several companies, Juliana, have pledged to provide support and financial assistance for employees seeking abortions in states that will now outlaw the procedure. Tell us more. Yeah, these commitments had came out um, thick and fast in the wake of the decision on Friday. We heard from J.P. Morgan, one of the largest employers in the U.S. finance industry, that they will pay for travel to states which uh, where for employees where who live in states where abortion is banned now. Disney has also assured its employees that it will help pay for pregnancy-related care. Apple has come out saying that their employees can use their benefits to travel out of state for reproductive care. So clearly companies are anticipating pressure from employees and trying to come out and take a stand very quickly in the wake of this decision. The pandemic is very much still with us. We're testing constantly here uh, at the summit sites and COVID cases where you are in the UK are on the rise again following the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations. What's the latest? How are things looking? Well, John, things are feeling like COVID is on the rise again. I mean, you hear so many people coming down with COVID, and now we've got the statistics to back up those anecdotes. So in the latest week of data, we have one in 40 people in England with COVID. In Scotland, the levels are even higher. One in 20 people had COVID in the last week of data. What's behind the rise? Two new Omicron variants seem to be to blame. The UK Health Security Agency has classified these new two variants as variants of concern. There is currently no evidence that they cause more serious illness than previous strains, but clearly COVID has not gone away. We are seeing hospitalizations also rise in line with the spread of COVID, but critically vaccinations and previous infection do seem to be keeping serious admissions and deaths at low levels, but absolutely a trend to continue watching, especially as we head out of summer in a couple months time into the colder months. Yeah, not, we're not seeing spikes in more serious illnesses, but our higher rates of infection, something we will certainly be keeping an eye on. CNBC's Juliana Tatelbaum, thank you so much. She joined us live from London. Up next, the latest figure facing scrutiny from federal prosecutors over the events of January 6th. Coming up on Morning Joe, abortion rights fall to the states after the Supreme Court overturned nearly 50 years of constitutional protections. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker joins us to discuss efforts to further strengthen protections in his state. Plus, we'll hear from Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, who has been fighting against anti-abortion laws passed by the state's GOP-led legislature. Also ahead, Senator Amy Klobuchar. She'll be a guest as well. Morning, Joe. A few moments away. Way too early. We'll be right back. 
Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.